0: Welcome back to a podcast that is rife with horrible puns and great insight into orchestral music but mostly just bad puns, Beethoven walks into a bar. I'm Stephanie Brimhall, the Director of Education and Community Engagement with the Kansas City Symphony.
1: I'm Jason Sieber, the Associate Conductor. And I'm Mike Gordon, Principal Flute of the Kansas City Symphony. Well, we are so excited today to have a conversation with another of our fantastic guest conductors this season here at the Kansas City Symphony, Christian Reif, spelled the German way, R-E-I-F, not R-I-F-E. Thank you, Jason. (laughs) He is currently music director of the Lakes Area Music Festival in Minnesota and a frequent guest conductor of orchestras all over the world. Please join us in welcoming Christian to the show. Hi,
2: everyone. (laughs) It's so nice to be here. Did you
3: like our terrible pun?
2: Oh, it's great.
3: (laughs) I'm sure no one has ever done that before.
2: Oh, absolutely. Well, in in German, uh, when we were young, also my my siblings and I went and got reviews or anything, and then it's like, oh, it's very mature, Mm -hmm. because that's the word, Mm -hmm. right? Reif means mature. And so it was very mature for the age, you know, 12 Mm. year olds and
3: (laughs) wonderful puns. (laughs) Oh, boy. Well, luckily, I think that's the last one uh, today. All good. (laughs) Moving on. on. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Christian. We really appreciate you giving up up your time to talk with us. Congratulations on your relatively recent appointment as music director of the Lakes Area Music Festival. I believe last summer was your first season in this position. Correct. Uh, It's a terrific summer festival with an orchestra comprised of musicians from many of the country's top orchestras Including someone from our very own Kansas City Symphony, bassist Caleb Quillen. Yeah. So tell us about this festival and maybe a little bit about what you have planned for this summer, your second
2: season. Sure. Um, it's, yeah, as you said, it's a very special festival um, and, and one that I've been in touch with or, or involved with uh, for many years now. It's, it's fairly a young festival, 12 or 13 years old, uh, um, founded by Scott Likens and Taylor Ward. And it just started actually with, with, you know, them all being students and coming together to make music uh, at the lakes and, uh, you know, waiting tables and, and mm-hmm. then putting chamber um, concerts on. And uh, it developed to this incredible festival that we now have a new hall for. Um, we, have a, we have a pit so we can actually um, really stage the, uh, the operas that we do every year. Um, it, is, it is just such a great community of people. Both the the community there and the the patrons and the support that we get and uh, and the fact just that they were able to build a new hall in Brainerd, Minnesota, wow. um, and the musicians. It's just uh, it's it always feels very familial. So when I go there, you you see friends from all over the country and uh, people that you know. I've. I've met along the way for the last few years, whether at Juilliard or Tanglewood or New World Symphony or then anywhere I guess conduct uh, it's just wonderful and um, yeah I mean the 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 quality of music making is incredible. I mean they're the top musicians um, several principal woodwinds from the Met Opera to everywhere in the country and I brought a lot of friends from San Francisco Symphony uh, when I was there as my time as resident conductor so it's it's a really strong and fun group and we're just having a a great time together um yeah I mean with COVID everything got delayed of course so I was supposed to oh we were planning um on me starting as music director there a few years uh, uh, one year earlier Mm. um but obviously we had to postpone that. Um, then, yesterday, uh, last year, uh, it was a great season planned as well. We did also did uh, Rick's Progress. Um, it was quite heartbreaking to have to cancel right in the middle of it mm-hmm. um, because of Delta. Mm. Um, that just kind of overrun everything and and, uh, we didn't have enough information at that time that uh, beginning of August. So we were keeping it on the safe side, which was good. Uh, But we did uh, play about 10 days of concerts, uh, so so a good chunk of concerts. Um, So it was nice to to be there uh, again. Uh, But this season, yeah, we have a lot of things planned, uh, both um, an opera again, uh, Ariadne auf Naxos Mm. von Richard Strauss, Mm um and a great cast we we are going to we're opening the season with the Program that we were supposed to close last season, so Ah. Sibelius Second Symphony and um, a world premiere by Jimmy Lopez, Mm. um, a great composer and friend of mine, and he was so kind to say, "Hey, well, I have this piece. I really want you to to play it." And he was so kind to also, even though we had to cancel last year, to say, "Hey, I still want you to be the first and so forth." And so uh, we're playing his uh, um, Paguala. Tribute to the Earth, Hmm. Pago a la Tierra. And uh, we start with uh, the Moldau Smetana. So it's kind of this very um, landscape. And yeah, the whole concept uh, or the whole concept is is also the tribute to the earth that we um, are staying on. And last year also, we had a collaboration with an Ojibwe musician, um, Native American to the area, who is an incredible singer. And there's such an incredible music uh, history there as well. Uh, and so we collaborated because also our music hall, the the concert space is called the Gitche Zibi Concert Hall, which means uh, the Great River, oh, Mississippi, nice. is just around the corner. Mm. And so that that uh, is our opening concert. And then we we have a lot of, um, we have chamber music scheduled. We, we always have chamber music concerts. We have a uh, chamber orchestra. We have full orchestra. We have, uh, we end with Mahler's Fifth Symphony. Um, and also I'm very, very excited this year. Um, we started, um, we are, Starting a relationship with Elizabeth Organic, um, an incredible composer, and she's going to be our first composer in residence. And she and I are founding this young composers fellowship program as well. So I love that so um, much. Yeah, yeah. So I'm very, very excited and can't wait to see uh, what we will, what we will do there, <laughs> and what uh, what pieces we're going to um, collaborate with.
0: You know, I love the idea. I mean, the the summer festival model I love so much because it really is a kind of just a chance for everybody to get together and just celebrate music Uh, you know when you have an orchestral job and you play in an orchestra all year you know obviously you love the work but it it kind of it it is your job it is what you do and and the summer festival is a chance you know just really to like get away and make music yeah and just celebrate music and celebrate these um, partnerships with people that you don't get to play with um or work with regularly but kind of look forward to throughout the year you know getting to kind of rekindle that Exactly. And that's something here I mean you know we're in we're in the heart of the country we're right in the middle of the country you know we don't a- around here our audiences may not even be that familiar with what a like a summer music festival really is where you know you get artists from all over the country and all over the world coming in and um and doing all that but but I'm curious, as music director of something so specific, and the, it's a group of musicians that don't regularly play together. Um, how do you go about as music director programming an entire season for for a festival specifically? And and what factors do you consider when you're when you're doing that?
2: I well, first of all, it's just so exciting to be able to curate a whole summer. You know, to be able to not just. Um, uh, Decide on one concert, but actually to see a through line throughout the whole month that we're performing, and we're performing. Uh, it's it's at least three concerts a week, um, at least two different programs. Usually the Saturday Sundays are the same program. We uh, do a Saturday evening and Sunday matinee. It's just it's wonderful to find a way to bring all the different aspects together. So yes, we have the full orchestra concerts usually at the beginning and at the end, but then um, then the, the opera in the middle, the, the chamber concerts, the, um, we, we have an, an amazing team of artistic uh, the leadership committee with uh, Garrett McQueen and uh, with uh, Paul Hopper as a, as a artistic uh, he's part of the Met um, artistic administration. And so he helps us with the, the choice of singers as well. So, so it's, it's, it's great to get all these different um, voices and ideas together and mold a whole season from them and, uh, or a whole season, a month hmm. of concerts. So it's not obviously uh, the whole year, but yeah, um, Yeah, it's 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 wonderful, inviting all these friends and amazing musicians um to Brainerd, Minnesota. It's not the it's not one orchestra for the whole summer. It's usually changed. So there's a usually there's a core group of, of I don't know, ten to fifteen people who are there for four weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, but otherwise, they come and go. And also we have so many musicians. There's so many. Um, people interested in coming that if we only have one orchestra, we could not invite them all. And so it, hmm. it's, it's actually really it's a nice. good
0: problem to have. I mean, it, is a, it is a
2: really nice problem to have. <laughs> no, but uh, that's everyone just feels, as I said, very much at, at home and reconnecting, as you said, reconnecting with friends that you don't see throughout the year. And then the excitement of playing together and also the excitement of, of, of the first orchestra rehearsal, um, Everyone coming together, seeing each other, and then playing and playing. Oh, let's find each other in the sound in this new space as well with these new uh, people uh, next to us. Uh, it's really exciting and it's just a joy to to be part of that.
1: I always I-, I love that summer festival vibe. I mean, it's it's strange in a certain sense, right? We're going somewhere. We're doing the same thing we do. All the rest of the year, right? Mm. But you know, usually they're in a beautiful place. Yeah. And like you said, there's new people and people you haven't seen in a year. And it's like vacation, even though you're very often, you know, working really hard. I, I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about about this relationship your festival has with the uh, composer, remind me her name again?
2: Elizabeth Ogonik.
1: Elizabeth Ogonik, thank you. Um, yeah. Uh, we, and, and more broadly speaking, you know, whether it's a festival or, or somewhere else during the season, um, you know, new new music is so important to what we do, right? Because if we don't play new music, you know, then then we don't grow, we don't evolve. There's nothing to right. reflect our our immediate moment. So how do you how do you go about discovering new works and and new composers? I think you know, in a way, there's such an embarrassment of riches out there right now, and it's it's actually a little hard to sort
2: through. I think it it is. Uh, what I do is a lot of research. <laughs> I, I do a lot of listening I um, I also have a lot of people that I um, ask for suggestions but then I go down rabbit holes uh, and and just um, it's it's part of the job that I absolutely love the programming the the curating the finding pieces um, that possibly have been neglected or have not been performed yet or I don't know of of, of also composers who might be new to um the audience or the musicians and just um it's a, it's a lot of research and that part i'm I'm absolutely fascinated by and the the yeah as you said the riches of of what's happening um right now and the the of of the composers who are writing i don't know it's it's such a uh such a joy to Get to know all of them and and then program them. I, I as a conductor, yes, uh, I absolutely have that that opportunity, but also that responsibility to to curate a season or to curate concerts and find um, the voices that that are all around us and to play contemporary music because that is, I feel that's so it's so crucial because we live in the present, and. I want to play music by composers also who live in the here and now, and the uh, everything that is happening right now is influencing them. They are in the same kind of space that I am. They in the this global world, and uh, I want to perform that and see how the audience reacts to that. And uh, it's a really it's a privilege to to do so.
3: Tell us, Christian, uh, a little bit about how your program that you're doing with the Kansas City Symphony came together. Three great pieces, uh, one by one of the great American composers, Joan Tower, yeah. or Tambor, which was originally written for the Pittsburgh Symphony and, and the percussion section in particular. Um, the Mozart Clarinet Concerto, which of course is one of his greatest works, and we're so delighted to have Raymond Santos, our principal clarinetist, perform that with you. Uh, I know he's very much looking forward mm-hmm. to that as well. And then, of course, one of the great ballet scores of all time, Stravinsky's Petrushka. Yeah. Tell us how this program came together, and and maybe if there's a common thread that runs through this program.
2: Sure. There is, um, off, as so often, the colonel starts with one piece or just a kind of a. Um, I was asked, well, would you like to do Mozart's clarinet concerto with our principal? And I said, absolutely, of course. Uh, I, I love Mozart. I grew up. Playing Mozart, I, I mean, growing up in in Bavaria uh, in Germany, um, that that was part of my <laughs> daily diet. Haydn, Mozart, and mm. going to the Mozarteum in Salzburg. That was my my undergraduate school. So I, I'm very attached to Mozart, absolutely. And I'm a clarinetist. Mm. Um, my main piano. Oh, I in- didn't
0: realize that. Yeah,
2: my main instrument is piano, but I I well not anymore. I play the clarinet. Or for the last few years, I it transitioned only to being twice a year at Christmas <laughs> and for Oktoberfest. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, ah, for, ah, nice, <laughs> the best times. We'll have you yeah. back for Oktoberfest.
2: We'll play. <laughs> yeah, some, <laughs> exactly.
1: We'll play some polkas together, sure. and
2: <laughs> that'd be fun. I mean, I, I played in a polka band.
0: Of course, actually. you did.
2: I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's a danselmusik as we would call, <laughs> and so it was a whole a group of clarinet and and brass players, and uh, and we were singing as well. It was it was delightful and really really Those fun. are
0: the most fun players. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> no, there that was that was always a lot of fun. And we actually played on our on the Rosenheim Oktoberfest. So the the Rosenheim is where I'm from. It's between Munich and Salzburg and that's where um, we also have a kind of Wiesen Oktoberfest a little earlier in the year in, in September. And uh, anyway, so that's uh, that was a very natural <laughs> fit I, or oh, I was Delighted when I was asked if I would do the Mozart clarinet um, clarinet concerto and so then then thinking about what we want to do with it uh, also to feature obviously the whole orchestra and uh, Stravinsky and Mozart for some reason uh, for me are a very natural pairing um, they're very um, if, if I say they're very straightforward and clean it doesn't really resonate the same way as, as it does in my head but it is very both the the harmonic and rhythmic integrity that they have. Very different styles, obviously. We're, I mean, we can talk about that later. But the Mozart and and Stravinsky, for me, are a beautiful pairing. And so we were talking about um, what kind of big piece or second half piece we want to do. And Petrushka has always been one of my favorites, and it's just it's a um, it's a concerto for the whole orchestra. It's of course, you have the, the glorious flute solo, the, the piano, the trumpet. Um, but the, the colors that Stravinsky writes for in the orchestra are just phenomenal and beautiful, and it tells a real story. And so, yeah, we, we settled on, on Petrushka very quickly, actually. And uh, and then I was thinking, well, there, there's so many options we could go with. But to, to have an American composer start the whole um, program, Felt right, and and the piece by John Tower, and John being one of the, the eminent American composers of our times, I I looked at Tambour and and uh, it being so percussive and so such a um, rhythmic driving piece. Um, it seemed like a natural fit to Stravinsky's rhythm and rhythmic pulse. Um, that yeah, mm-hmm. the, we we found this was a very natural program the three pieces together, and of course, the kind of rhythmic and dance element also in the clarinet concerto in the third movement, for instance, um, gave us a through line through it. Very nice.
1: Well, and of course, percussionists know Petrushka as a concerto
2: for bass drum and tambourine, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course they do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, just, just that that tambourine is the death of Petrushka, so obviously the most yeah, important thing. It's the most
1: important end. thing in the whole show. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, so I'm uh, I'm interested to hear a little bit about um, something you got up to during the pandemic. So during the pandemic, you were part of NPR's Tiny Desk series at home, yeah. uh, performing with your incredibly talented wife Julia Bullock. Um, can you tell us about opportunities to collaborate and make music with her, and and what that was like for the two of you to present some very relevant music during a difficult time?
2: Sure. I mean, when the when March 2020 hit and suddenly we were on pause uh, and, and we just arrived from all over the place. Uh, I was in Canada, Julia was in New York, and we just hurried home so that we wouldn't get stuck somewhere and not be with each other. So we were um, back in Munich. We were based in Munich now. Um, and in some ways... Of course, it it was just wonderful to finally have an everyday life together. Mm. We've never had that before because um, we've been together for eight and a half years now. But before that, even moving in together in Munich, we were traveling all over the world. I was guest conducting, she was singing. And so we, we tried to see each other as much as possible and flew to each other. But suddenly being in one space every day, uh, that was a new thing and it was wonderful that we finally (laughs) had that that you know the cooking experiences together and and so forth and um uh, and obviously we we can't let off well i wasn't conducting everywhere but i still wanted to make music and so did she and so um at some point we just um started playing um, you know, bringing out the Brahms or the Schumann or the Schubert voice cycles and just play them on the piano and and just for us and for fun and some at some point we started recording it on our iPhones and and uh, at some point we did get a more professional uh, microphone but basically we just started putting some of these online um as we liked it and uh, it, it seemed to hit a nerve with uh, many people and and the tiny desk the NPR team reached out they were already interested in Julia doing something for uh, quite a while but it just seemed like this was a natural fit um because they did these these NPR um tiny desk concerts from home usually they mm-hmm. have it in their studio or in their in their their room but uh, we did it from home and yeah it was it was beautiful doing the the Schubert the the Kurt Weil and also Brown Baby I wish I knew how to be free um, yeah it it Brown Baby we we recorded um we played through but then then somehow when George Floyd was murdered that kind of we just went to the piano and sang it and released it online and it just felt very I don't know. There was so so little we could do, but but um, that felt right to us. Um, that response and it's she sings it so powerfully, and uh, it's just she's an incredible artist, and I'm just happy that I got to brush up my piano a little <laughs> bit again <laughs> <laughs> uh, during this pandemic, and then and and now we we have played several things together, and also. Are re- in the process of releasing a CD. Nice, which is very exciting. Nice, that's great.
0: Well, I'm curious if you're gonna if you're gonna bust out the clarinet because there there are some lovely things for clarinet and voice.
3: Mm.
1: <laughs> there are, of course. Uh, <laughs> but pens. then, who will play the piano?
2: Oh, yeah, you can find a key.
0: pianist anywhere, but you know.
2: <laughs> I honestly, uh, I would rather play piano than clarinet at this point. Uh, <laughs> you know the embouchure, the lips. <laughs>
0: I don't well if you can't tell already, I am a I am also a clarinetist, but I have You two, are a, I oh am, wow. but I have two I, I would say I have two babies, but my youngest one is almost eight, so they're not babies anymore, but those did away with my clarinetting. So
3: <laughs> <laughs> I know of a funny story that Christian has that I saw an interview of him. I don't know if you're willing to talk about this or not, but I just think it's hilarious. Um We recently had our fantastic mayor here in Kansas City, uh, Mayor Quentin Lucas, narrate Copeland's Lincoln Portrait. He sees what's coming. He's like, no! Uh, (laughs) He narrated Copeland's Lincoln Portrait for us for a series of educational videos that we just uh, recorded for middle and high school students. And Stephanie was a huge part of that. Uh, Stephanie, do you want to talk a little bit about these these videos that we're going to be putting online for teachers and students coming up here?
0: Absolutely. So... um, these materials just went up this week, actually, so um, they're available for free for, stu- um, for classrooms, students, teachers in Kansas and Missouri all the way through the end of the school year this year, and we've recorded some wonderful music and put together a curriculum that really um, touches on and addresses some very important and serious subjects. We, we did a program for Students in elementary school, that's a, that's a really light introduction to the instruments and different periods of music. So, um, that's that's a really wonderful introduction. And then a secondary program that we did that includes Copeland's uh, Lincoln portrait with our mayor, Quentin Lucas. Um, it also has uh, Carlos Simon's An Elegy, A Cry from the Grave, which was written in response to um, the killings of Trayvon Martin and Eric Garner and Michael Brown. Uh, music by Shostakovich, uh, but we, we've we written some curriculum that really asks students to kind of dive deeper into these subjects and how art and how music in particular can be used to uh, explore emotions and feelings and kind of um, gives students an outlet to uh, explore those things. So I'm really excited about that. You can find that on kcsymphony.org. That got really serious yeah. for- No,
3: I know. Oh, or what I'm, no, no, no. I'm
0: looking forward to, a, <laughs> a very yeah. funny story. No, now. but
3: they, they really are. We had, we had a really great time putting those videos together, and Stephanie did an amazing job putting all this curriculum together to go with it. I think students and teachers are going to have lots of important discussions about yeah. uh, some of these pieces and some of the moments in history that uh, they reflect. We have Jesse Montgomery's banner, which talks about mm. everyone trying to have an equal voice at the table. Um, lots of lots of important subjects of of equity and and um, social justice. and i'm I'm so excited and proud that we have these out there now for students and teachers. Mm-hmm. But back to the back to the uh, fun story here, Christian. So you had a funny moment when you had to introduce a public figure when you were working with the New World Symphony. Down in Miami, can you share that story with us? Because I think it's hilarious. <laughs> sure. We've all, as conductors, had moments where we've accidentally said something. I've had plenty of. I them. don't so, know this story,
0: so I'm very yeah. excited.
2: <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yes, uh, <laughs> it, <laughs> it was a uh, holiday concert. Um, so just before the holidays in December, and um, through, throughout the, I will, I will. Tell the long side of the story, maybe I don't know. Mm-hmm. But um, <coughs> the so uh, during the year, uh, during do, during that week, um, we rehearsed, for instance, uh, uh, um, a piece called Polar Express, um, mm-hmm. and and, uh, and uh, to the movie and and I kept saying Polar Express because that's how you say mm. it in in German, you know, Polar Express, and so they 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 kindly made fun of me and just said it's Polar Express. (laughs) Just say Polar, Polar, Polar Express. Okay, fine. Um, And in the concert, so I narrate through the concert, of course, and then... Uh, I the the piece I introduced it. Uh, I said, "Okay, well, we just played the Polar Express." And, you know, and I was so proud. I said it right, and the and the, the the orchestra shuffled, and they're like, "Okay, good, good job, Christian. All right." <laughs> and then and then just the next sentence was, um, "And it's it's just my pleasure to introduce the narrator for the next piece," and I just said. It's, yeah, it's my pleasure to welcome the narrator for the the next piece, the Miami bitch, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I, It was the Miami Beach city China, uh, city manager, Miami Beach city manager, and I just said, uh, I fully confidently said, welcome to the Miami bitch um (laughs) everyone lost it the whole audience just was laughing the orchestra was on the floor i i was i yeah i just kind of (laughs) gathered myself again i mean we all laughed and uh um, thank god it was not the the wall cast the next day because that would have been four thousand people hearing it Uh, (laughs) and, uh, and way more kids but um it was, it was funny, it was a good, and he was, he was a good sport. Uh, he, he said, this good. is not the worst people have t- called me. <laughs> so, <laughs> bet, yeah. uh, no, but then the next day, my God, that, that, that sentence I was more nervous about than anything else. So <laughs> e- even the piece before, I was already thinking, Miami Beach, Miami Beach, Miami Beach. <laughs> and then I was so slow in how I said it. I really <laughs> went through every word. <laughs> it is my pleasure to introduce you. To the Miami Beach, sit and all the orchestra was like, "Ah, oh, okay, fine." <laughs> wow, it was it was nice. very funny, and and just I, I <laughs> well, yeah.
1: there, there are at least two other things that are funny about that story besides the obvious one. Um, for, and I, I was also at New World uh, once upon a time, and and while I was there. Um, the planning process was happening for, you know, the New World Center or whatever they call mm. their new hall. This incredible facility that they have, uh, and we were still in the Lincoln Theater, which is now an H and M department store. Yeah. And it's kind of funny to see it that way. But, um, but anyway, we we were invited to go uh, to open city council meetings uh, to kind of lobby the city council to, you know make way for this hall because it involved all kinds of negotiations about city parking and, you know, really mundane Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And, and basically at the time, everyone was, everyone on the council was super in favor of uh, this project. But, you know, there was always like one person who'd be like, well, we're going to lose 25 parking spots in South beach (laughs) over this hall. I don't know Mm -hmm. if we can do that. So in a way, and I, it wouldn't have been the same person, but in a way, it's funny to me that there was a representative <laughs> from the council that you I'm called I'm Miami a... bitch because I sort of, <laughs> I sort of remember you from back in the is day, a... there was there was always one there. Yeah, and oh, oh, the no. other really funny thing about that is just the fact that New World was playing a Christmas concert because they never used to do that, and and the one thing that happened to me, and I think happens to many young players in general, but but especially people who come from there. Is they get into an orchestra like the Kansas City Symphony and you play Petrushka, fine. You play a Tchaikovsky symphony, no problem. You get to Christmas and you have to play Polar Express and Home Alone and you know who knows what. And all this music is really hard, and we don't know any of it because we've never played it before <laughs> in
2: our that's lives. That's true. That, that, was true. that so is, seems to be the only kind of uh, pop concert that uh, that Newell does. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I'm glad. With I'm glad they're getting that experience. Now it's important. It, yeah.
2: <laughs> No, it and fun. it's fun. And Howard, uh, Howard, the 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 CEO, the executive director of, of New World, he was such a good uh, sport as well. He yeah. for Christmas, then he gave me a T shirt saying, "I'm in Miami, bitch." Is that <laughs> nice? Yeah, that's oh, well. that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the one. Yeah, but, so he, he or oh, I'm a I'm a Miami bitch. That's it. Well, <laughs> so, so now I have that T shirt. Well,
1: <laughs> speaking of speaking of New World, though, I know you've done other things there, and I was. I was reading that you did one of these Pulse concerts with them that I'd love for Mm -hmm. you to describe a little bit, but, but more broadly, I'm just, I'm kind of curious, um, you know, how you see orchestras evolving, you know, in the, in the future, you know, how the concert experience might change uh, the repertoire, how, how music is presented to an audience, because I think so many orchestras and, you know, New World's always been kind of at the forefront of this because they have that flexibility, but you know, how, how are we experimenting with new ways to bring live music to people
2: that's a great question I think that's a, well, and that's a question that everyone is asking themselves right um, I think we have all this great material so we, we have a great product if you want to say that but but we have amazing music and great performances. What we need to do is is find a way to to bring it to the people and not necessarily only in the large concert halls. I think uh, one of the charms or one of the best, um, some of the best performances I've ever been part of were in a more intimate space and it's still with orchestra or still with a chamber orchestra or something, but um, uh, to be, Contemporary, I think, in our way of presenting it, we are playing these. These uh, much of our repertoire is music that has been written a a long time ago. But uh, I think to be relevant, and that goes to the point from before about playing contemporary music. I think we need to. We all that needs to be a huge part of it um, to be relevant and to play music from today. Um, but it's also the presentation of, of I think there can be a lot done with lighting that it's not just a um, you know full frontal spotlights white or and then and then darkness and so forth but but there can be a lot of the, the mood changes when you just put on lighting in there as well. Um, the interaction with the audience I think is crucial um, to not have a barrier between the performers on stage and the audience, but to really know what is it that the community wants from us or what the community needs from us or don't don't even know what they need from us. But how can we facilitate? How can we be a crucial member of our community and um, of, of the local community, but also the international community and globally? And I think to make sure we really connect on a deep level with them, and don't set us apart and be like, "Oh, we are the we are the performers." or oh, no, I'm the conductor, and uh, you know, um, and we are so special. But we're we're all in this together. I think if we can have the sense of community, that's really really important. And um, a lot of um, the technology that is available is um, is very exciting to uh, be put to use and to collaborate and to really integrate with the. Um, with with our performances and it doesn't it doesn't really have to be or I, it's not I'm not a huge fan of just playing a piece and just having a screen of of some kind of uh, video just for the sake of video and just for the sake of making it more hip so to speak but really if if technology is integrated and or the multimedia aspect is integrated if lighting is integrated um, and parts of that. What I did, I curated some of these um, uh, sound box concerts at the San Francisco Symphony. These late night shows, which it's kind of a, all in darkness in it. It's a lounge, and, and it's, uh, people can drink. It's much more free. Um, the the, the programming that we do there is is very, it just it's it's great music, and and the funny thing is that it's sold out in minutes. But people don't even know what we will perform. Mm. Oh, that's cool! So they know it's a great experience. That's what people want. Also, it's I, yeah. they want an experience, and sometimes it doesn't even matter what we play. If but if we believe in this, if we believe in the music and really m- make an experience happen for them, I think that's really exciting. These these soundbox programs. I mean, one of them that I did was a. Program influence or, or pieces by composers who were um, living under oppression or cens- censorship or you know were not completely free in how they could write music and always had to find a way of of uh, expressing themselves. Um, for instance, the first act was all you know Weimar Weimar Republic. Mm-hmm. So um, also, Kalamidas Hartmann, Kurt Weil, Hindemith. So uh, Hartmann, who is not known as much in, in the States, but he, he writes incredible orchestral music. Um, so this is all 19, 19, uh, 1920s and 1910s and so forth. But uh, the... And uh, 1930s. The um, Hartmann is someone who then went into the uh, inner exile, so to speak, yeah, during the during then the Second World War. And because he um, really was... Riv- uh, he was completely against the nazi regime but he didn't want to move from munich either so he knew his music would never be published or never be played basically in uh in the third reich but he still wrote for you know um a concerto for Nebre, for instance or uh, another piece that that um honors the fallen um or the the victims of war and fascism and so forth um Anyway, that and then the second uh, act was Shostakovich, and the third act was um, a, a journey in America uh, from George Crumb Crumb uh, Black Angels to um, via Julius Eastman um, and Jesse Montgomery also, and and uh, uh, it was we played part of Banner and Jason, you were mm. you were mentioning it, um, mm. and and the 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 story we were telling and the. The, the use of video and, and lighting really was a Gesamtkunstwerk in, in the sense of Wagner, in a sense, because it really was an overarching narrative. And, and I think if we take our audiences on a journey like that, it'll be rewarded because they, they might not like every piece, but they will come back with an uh, or leave with an experience. And with an impact, and that's what we want. I think we want, as performers, as artists, to be able to light a fire, to light hope, to light optimism, or, or even to rattle people and influence them, or not influence, but to yeah, to have an impact, and to. Uh, so so I'm yeah I'm I'm very passionate about curating um, concert experiences that are impactful, and um, the. Just actually yesterday, uh, if I may talk again about Julia, my wife, um, she's singing at the Armory here right now. I'm, I'm at, in New York to work with the Juilliard Opera. So after Kansas City, I will come back here and, uh, and do performances and then also the Gala of Orchestra of St. Luke's. But she's here at the same time, which is wonderful. Being in the same city,
1: <laughs> not at home,
2: but this is the same city working on projects. Not the same this time, but uh, on different projects. It's incredible. She's um she's singing at the armory a piece by Michelle van der a called Upload. And it's incredible. I saw it yesterday for the first time. Mm. And the use of multimedia, the use of of electronics, the use of video, the um is is was so integrated. It never felt like an alien concept or just a um, well, we put this together because I know we all like to watch films and sure, we come to the orchestra and we want to bring it together. And okay, great, we have something. No, it was, a, I mean, the subject matter obviously was also um, made a lot of sense to be so fully integrated. It's called Upload. And um, it means it's basically about this the, the connection between father and daughter and the father uploaded his consciousness his mm-hmm. person into um, the virtual realm, so it doesn't have a body anymore. And Roderick Williams, who is the who is the uh, father, who plays the father, you you see him singing on this one side of the stage, and then his avatar um, mm. in in other screens, and Julia interacts with that, and then you have it's a film opera also. It's called a film opera, so there mm. there's definitely a whole cool. chunk of film where you see the the whole process of being uploaded and you it's kind of an interview with the with the tech it's very very uh silicon valley very ai, <laughs> AI um kind of uh, futuristic idea but it's it's wow. kind of it's quite brilliant and that experience um whether or not you would like the music or not that's that's uh it's it's very impactful and the, the experience is great so I I'm, I'm interested in 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 that in in performing incredible music and not everything needs to be with a with a technology aspect absolutely not I mean I I want to perform Bruckner and I do not want any uh, any other aspect that delineates from that or that that uh, interrupts that experience that uh, experience of Bruckner maybe we can play it in a church okay sure with that kind of sound and Mm, gravitas and majestic but um there's a there's a way of concerts of being very varied in this way and that's I think so important for every orchestra to have a very varied season.
0: I think that I mean th- this idea of experience too coming out of covid you know we were all starved for experiences and ge- I mean you know like mm-hmm. we you you're in your home for such such an extended amount of time that now, especially, audiences are just uh, well, and, and families and people you just want experiences, you just want to go out and do something. Um, yeah. and, and and this and be is connected exactly, yes. Um, and this in in this time in our lives, um, and in history, especially, I think that's that's really important today. So, I'm intrigued by. By all of this, um, and our, our, I know that the symphony's lighting designer listens to these podcasts, so she's going to be very <laughs> excited to meet you.
2: She's amazing, okay,
0: <laughs> she's great, incredible.
2: Christina. Christina. I know you have such an amazing yep. hall. I, I, I've been there once, uh, when I was resident with the San Francisco Symphony and we came on tour. Oh, right, and yeah, so it's, it's a, I know you have an incredible hall. And it's it. First of all, it sounds great, which is obviously most important to me. Also, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but also it it it's so versatile and it's and it's contemporary. It's modern. I think there's so many, um, uh, yeah, so many aspects one can um, try out, and uh, it's exciting to hear that also that you are doing that. Yeah. Um, but I completely agree with you, Stephanie. The especially now after we've been on our devices, so. Mm much Uh, it's just it's been such a joy coming back to make music with people and be in one room be connected being present breathing together moving together um Mm -hmm. i've i've missed that so much and it's so special
0: Well, we are excited to have you um join us and make music and experience experience the music together um very soon. So we have a we have a question that we ask all of our guests. We have two questions actually that we ask all of our guests yeah. on the podcast. Um, so the, the first is, uh, if you were to go into a bar or a cafe or an eating establishment, what would you choose to drink? What is your favorite drink? And then the second part of that question is if you ran into Beethoven, at said bar or hmm. cafe, what would you want to ask Beethoven if you could ask oh. him one thing?
2: <laughs> oh, the first question is much easier. The second one... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, we can, <laughs> uh, okay, well, the first question, um, i order a beer. Yeah. I'm, I'm very Bavarian in that way. It depends. I mean, if it, is a, you know, if it is a cocktail bar, I might not order a beer, but I, I'd order some kind of... Um, it would probably be a martini. I like both gin and vodka martinis so I'm uh, mm. <laughs> both, cool. but uh, but but uh, I I would I would definitely first go for a beer um, a helles usually um, or I do love uh, dunkles weisbier uh-huh. um, a dark wheat beer but that's a very german one the 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 american breweries don't usually have that um, so yeah mm. I would just go with a, a helles um, or um, a porter or a stout, depending on which brewery we're talking about. <laughs> 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 but but it usually, I mean, just for the quick drink, a Helles is perfect, and that just, uh, yeah. I guess you go. Um, Yeah,
1: We've got a couple places for you here in Kansas City.
2: That's good, and barbecue places. Oh, well, for sure. Uh, we'll yeah. show you the yeah, right those spot. <laughs> those I yeah. need to, to check out, definitely. <laughs> um, the second question, I mean, this is a very technical and and maybe slightly boring question, but uh, I think his tempo markings are re- great. His metronome markings, uh-huh. I think they're 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 wild and they're they're they are fast. Maybe one of them here and there um is too fast for me, but I might ask him because I don't think his his. Metronome was broken. There were other metronomes too, and there was always the the you know sixty seconds that you could uh, mm-hmm. the, the seconds that you could count. So um, maybe I would ask him about uh, just all your tempo markings. Are there <laughs> um, uh, you stand by them? I uh, um, but but he is such a such a fascinating character. I don't know where to begin.
0: That's a good one.
2: Yeah, I think that's just a very technical conductor question. <laughs> I appreciate it, Christian.
0: Well, the good news is, is this isn't going to happen, so it's not a wrong answer. <laughs> yeah. You're you're safe. You didn't waste your one question. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <That's true. laughs> There, yeah, there, are no, there are no wrong questions for Beethoven um, <laughs> no. Well, Christian, this has been such a great conversation And we appreciate so much uh, you joining us this week Not only for the podcast, but even more importantly For our Classical Series concert coming up It's going to be great to have you on the podium I'm excited um, It's a really terrific piece uh, A really terrific program, I should say Again, with a, with a piece called Tambour by uh, Joan Tower Our principal clarinet, Raymond Santos Is going to play the Mozart uh, clarinet concerto and, of course, Stravinsky's Petrushka with, um, you know, lots of great flute and tambourine solos.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I um, I can't wait to hear you play it. Yeah, well, I,
1: you know, I, I. could be a little shaky but i know we have a great tambourine player so i'm (laughs) we do i'm very confident about that part um but before we let you go we have a little segment here on Beethoven walks into a bar we call the top five it's the top five it's the top five it's the top five. It's the top high. It's the top five. It's the top five. It's the top it's, it's the top five. It's the top five. A walks into a bar. So I thought it would be fun this week, uh, since we're doing Petrushka, uh, if we each listed our top five ballet scores, because there's so much incredible... Uh, ballet music which we play with dance and very often on the concert stage as well of course Stephanie
0: oh on the spot right now you're up
1: I'm putting you on the spot right now top five Uh, ballet scores
0: well I undoubtedly would have Appalachian Spring on my list uh, as a clarinetist and (laughs) as a fan of ballet in general Um, also uh, Prokofiev's Romeo and Juliet yes um, Rite of Spring Firebird And um, I think I would put Midsummer Night's Dream on there as well.
1: Very good.
3: All right. I like like those answers, Stephanie. I would definitely say some of the same ones. Romeo and Juliet, for sure. Prokofiev. Petrushka, which we're doing this week, and I'm not just saying that because we're doing it. I really love Petrushka. I think it's a brilliant score. I'm also obviously a big fan of The Rite of Spring and the way it changed music forever. Appalachian Spring, we have... What, three of the same here, Stephanie? Aww. This is exciting. Appalachian Spring, I've always have a soft place in my heart for Copeland's great work. And I'm going to put Swan Lake in there. I, I mean, I think Tchaikovsky in general, one of the great ballet composers, but I really love Swan
1: Lake. Mm-hmm. Mike, what do you have? Very good. Well, I, uh, I went out of my way not to include a Tchaikovsky Ballet, not because they're not oh. phenomenal pieces, but just purely out of spite. Because... <laughs> <laughs> I have to play Nutcracker and Swan Lake <laughs> so often, but um, but I also uh, have App Spring on my list as well as Romeo and Juliet. And it would be easy to make an entire top five of Stravinsky ballets, but yeah. I didn't do that. Mm-hmm. I only I only picked one, and and it's hard to choose. But since we're doing Petrushka, I'm going to name Petrushka. Uh, also, I'm a flute player, so I'm legally obligated to list uh, Daphnis and Chloe uh, of Ravel. <laughs> Great answer. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's it's required, right? Yeah. Um, and then and then also uh, a piece that's a favorite of mine that's another tie-in with our season is uh, Bartok's Miraculous Mandarin.
0: Oh, yes.
1: Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Christian, how about you?
2: You all, you all mentioned uh, incredible pieces. I would add to those. Um, the Prokofi Cinderella, oh yeah. which sure. I love, um, Stravinsky, we already talked, I mean, obviously Petrushka, yes, uh, Rite of Spring, yes, Firebird, yes, um, also Apollon uh, Musaget, I love, um, very different, but, uh, uh, and only strings, but, um, the, the I mean, there's so, so many, I mean, Daphne and Chloe, yes, absolutely. Um, Unless I'm repeating yours now, um, I would say those are the yeah. I mean, Romeo and Juliet, absolutely. Yeah. Um. The the the. Uh, I mean, Bartok is is definitely. I mean, and and the, the. Whether we talk about purely ballets or pieces that are right uh, that there are chore- choreographies for. I mean, there they are all kinds. <laughs> right. Yeah. I right. Mean, there yeah. are right. So many so many pieces, um, violin concerti, too. That um, there are choreographies for. Um, but also, yes, uh, Bartok, uh, Miraculous Mandarin is a phenomenal piece. Um, yeah, nice. All great answers. Great. Uh, yep. I,
0: I do have to ask you, I know we're running short on time, but I, I do have to ask you as a clarinetist, because uh, we have a program coming up that's a little clarinet heavy. And I, I'm curious, as a, as a clarinetist, how you would feel if you were playing the Mozart clarinet concerto one week, and then on the next classical week, you were asked to play both "Miraculous Mandarin" and "Dances of Galanta" and Copeland's "El Salon Mexico." It's <laughs> a good I'd one, say, right? Yeah, it's a great <laughs>
2: one. You know, just have a good, you know, a good few reads, and, and it, at least we don't have that uh, uh, oboe problem of <laughs> all the weeks. But um, it's it's a lot, but it's fun. I mean, it is not? fun. It's great it music. Is great. Yeah. It is great music. <laughs> Wonderful.
0: <laughs> well, Christian, we have had an awesome time chatting with you. I can't wait to meet you here in person here in Kansas City uh, I when, can't you wait j- either. when you join <laughs> the orchestra. Um, we will do uh, three performances with Christian Reif this, uh, this coming weekend, April 1st through 3rd. Again, music by Joan Tower, Mozart's clarinet concerto, and Stravinsky's Petrushka. As always, you can call our box office for tickets or purchase your tickets online at kcsymphony.org. And remember to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. We are super excited to to see you soon. Christian, thanks for joining us.
2: Thanks so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to this week. Thanks, Christian.
3: (laughs) Thank you. Bye-bye,
2: everyone. Bye.
3: Join us next time on Beethoven Walks Into a Bar when we continue our off-the-podium series with guest conductor Paolo Bortolamioli, who has my position of associate conductor with the Los Angeles Philharmonic. We'll talk to him about his program here in Kansas City, his highly creative and informative video series called Ponle Pausa, the book he wrote during the pandemic, and, of course, Chilean wine. Next time on Beethoven Walks Into a Bar.